This podcast is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, award-winning wealth managers who go above and beyond to support and guide you. Visit candowealth.com to start building your wealth with confidence. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Cindy Yu and I'm joined by James Forsyth and Katie Bors. So President Biden last night gave a statement as the Russian government claims that they have been withdrawing their troops. This is what Joe Biden said. If Russia decides to invade, that would also have consequences here at home. But the American people understand that defending democracy and liberty is never without cost. This is a cause that unites Republicans and Democrats. And I want to thank the leaders and members of Congress of both parties who forcefully spoken out in defense of our most basic, most bipartisan, most American principles. I will not pretend this will be painless. There could be impact on our energy prices. So we are taking active steps to alleviate the pressure on our own energy markets and offset raising prices. Now, James, what did you make of that? Because here he's talking about sanctions and uh, the impact of sanctions. I, I think he's, what Joe Biden, I think he's trying to, to prepare American voters for is that even though he isn't talking about sending US troops to Ukraine or anything like that, that if you are going to impose sanctions of sufficient severity to deter Russia or to punish Russia effectively if it were was to launch an invasion of Ukraine, then those sanctions would not be cost-free for the West. Biden warned explicitly about gas prices rising because uh, if you take Russian energy supplies off the market, you know, that reduces global supply and pushes up the price. And I think that what we need to see now is European leaders preparing their publics for this. There is no way that you can have a set of sanctions on Russia that are sufficiently strong to act as a deterrent to to, to Russia from misbehaving without thinking that there is going to be some cost to the West uh, from imposing those sanctions. And I think think it would be particularly helpful if those countries that have the deepest economic relationship with Russia, think of Germany, for example, made it clear that they were prepared to wear the pain of sanctions and and not pretend that that the sanctions are only going to be a one-way street in terms of who who they hurt. Katie, is there a feeling now that Russia has claimed that it is withdrawing troops in the British government that actually the situation maybe has got over the most dangerous part or that if Russia does something, it at least won't be a full-fledged invasion? No, I think there's still a lot of unease because this whole way through this, you've seen Western allies trying to guess Putin's next move, um, you know, putting intelligence out in a way to influence a direction as opposed to perhaps act on what they're hearing behind closed doors and therefore I think that there is a sense that you know there's still a few weeks to go when this could be you know the time of year when they thought this would happen and I think you can see some some of the words from Ben Wallace today that uncertainty is the word of the day Mm. and I don't think people want to get too relaxed you know let their guard down and then have something and end up later I think there's clearly a light sense of relief but I think it still feels very murky. And James, do you think the American side is preparing the ground for a bit of a, a, a walk down, as it were? Because I did think, interestingly, last night when Biden was talking about how they recognise respective security concerns, that's something that Russia has wanted to have recognised that they are concerned about NATO's expansion. Is that a you know the, the area where some kind of walk down can be seen? There is a, there is a difference, right? Which is, I think you can acknowledge 
Russia's concerns, and it's, and I think you can deal with some of those in that some of the things that the US would like to have in uh, Poland and Romania, for example, are more about worries about Iran than about Russia. So I think you can have a kind of trust but verify system there. I, I personally think that you are heading down a dangerous course if you basically say, well, Ukraine can't join NATO because Russia doesn't want it to. I also think there is an irony here, which is, you know, one of the things that has pushed Ukraine's orientation more towards the West is Vladimir Putin's decision to annex Crimea, which had a population that largely looked East rather than West. You know, that has changed the political balance within Ukraine. And and it it would be foolish to, to deny that. But I think the crucial challenge is not to look like uh, you are rewarding Vladimir Putin for massing large amounts of troops on Ukraine's borders. And, and that style of negotiation is what, is what delivers results. I, I think there, there is, you can thread this needle, but I think you need to be very careful about how you do it. And I also think that these decisions should be Ukrainian decisions, not decisions taken by Western powers over Ukraine's head. Mm. And Katie, given that a lot of attention has been put on to Ukraine and Russia in, over the last week, it is easy to forget that there's still this police investigation going on in the background with Number 10 and what's happening with Partygate. Um, what is the latest with that? Yeah, so there's some interesting briefings. We know that the questionnaire has gone out. Boris Johnson is uh, having a personal lawyer help him as he fills it in. That is due in a week of it being sent out. So... There is a process there. And I think there are quite a few, um, you know, there's a few standings. I mean, I think it's worth pointing out, no one actually knows what's going on. So there's a similarity and a few things we're discussing today. But, for example, the FT has quoted allies of the Prime Minister insisting they're confident he will not be given a fixed penalty notice by the police. It's unclear whether these figures, you know, have sources in the police who have told them that if even the former's with the police, so how would they know? Do they Have they just seen what Boris Johnson plans to write? They think it's a very watertight defence. I think it's interesting if it were that to be the case, because ultimately we're hearing that Boris Johnson might say, you know, it's part of his working day to go to these events. The trickier one is clearly, if you're going to use that as a defence, is perhaps what happens in his private residence, so the flat. Um, he might say, one of the briefings is that he, he may say when it comes to the alleged drinks in the flat, the night that Dominic Cummings left, he was almost, you know, just a bystander mm. working and this rule breaking was going on around him. But as, you know, Prime Minister, he didn't think it was his place to stop the rule breaking. So, so I think that it does feel to me when you hear the various defences that are being put out, those things you might say, that there is some contortion going on. And therefore, I've, I've struggled to see how anyone could say with complete confidence that he's not going to get a penalty fixed notice. I mean, he may not get one, but how would you know at this point? And it does remind me, I have to say, uh, of a briefing that was given a few weeks ago to the Times ahead of the Sue Gray investigation, where friends of the Prime Minister ultimately said that they were confident, you know, no criminal wrongdoing would be found that the Seagrey report would be quite simple to deal with because nothing would be referred to the police there'd be no police investigation and that obviously aged very badly so I think even if you're confident I don't really see how it's in the Prime Minister's interest for people to brief these things out because mm. it is just playing into this idea either you know tempting fate but I think worse if the Prime Minister doesn't get a fixed penalty notice briefings like this I think fuel this idea that it's all a bit of a stitch up whether that's mm. right or wrong. Mm. And James, um, COVID is obviously still with us. Now in Scotland, they are changing the way that they're offering vaccinations. Can you tell us about what's going on there? 
So Nicola Sturgeon is accepting the JCVI recommendation to to offer vaccines to all 5 to 11-year-olds. Up to now, these have previously only been offered to people who were immunocompromised or, or living with someone who was immunocompromised. And interestingly, Sajid Javid has issued a statement about the same advice in England. What I'm struck by is how different in tone it is from most of the government's messages on vaccination. Most of the government's messages on vaccination are, you know, get boosted now, very kind of straightforward. The, you know, you should get vaccinated. This is a very different message. It emphasises that, you know, it's up to parents whether they do this. It's a non-urgent offer of COVID-19 vaccines to all children aged 5 to 11 in England, Javid says. And then it says children without underlying health conditions are at low risk of serious illness of COVID-19. And the priority remains the NHS to offer vaccines and boosters to adults and vulnerable young people, as well as to catch up the other childhood immunisation programmes. The NHS is prepared to extend this non-urgent offer to all children during April, so parents can, if they want, take up the offer to increase protection against potential future waves of COVID-19. It's just, it, it's a much more nuanced take on vaccination than you normally get from the government. And I think it shows that they are, there's an awareness that I think that, you know, vaccinating kids this young is a bit of a political hot potato. But I do think that, you know, given the number of other diseases that we vaccinate children against from a very young age, this should not be especially controversial. James and Katie, thanks very much. And thank you very much for listening.